Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's a diamond in the rough. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who never tweets crutes. No, I never do that. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who never tweets. That's me, Trey Newman. I follow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CFB Bros. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash college football bros. And you can also check out Trey's appearance on another podcast. That's right. I was on, right. I was on Prospects 101. One of our fellow pa- patrons, uh, has a podcast, Prospects 101. I had a fun time with those guys, uh, talked some senior bowl, broke down guys that were kind of practicing well last week, others that needed to up their game heading into the draft and, and, and for their pro days. So it was fun to talk about some prospects. Yeah, that was good. Ryan and I both listened. You did a great job. Yeah, so. No, it was good. Uh, I mean, Senior Bowl was even more important this year just because of, uh, seemed like a lot of guys didn't maybe not got their fair share of reps, uh, on the field. So this was, uh, kind of an extra importance Senior Bowl. Uh, alrighty. Let's, uh, well, actually, before we get to the, the topic for the episode, recruiting winners and losers from the 2021 cycle, let's catch up on some, some Apple podcast reviews. We haven't gone over those for, for a little while. Uh, why don't you get us started, Ryan? Sure. Yeah. From uh, last student 505, Michael's been there. Um, <laughs> favorite sports podcast, uh, happened upon this podcast by accident and have enjoyed every episode. The hosts have a great rapport, probably because they're actual brothers. Uh, one question for the bros. I enjoy picking and cheering on an upstart team that may not be nationally relevant, but still is a fun storyline. Uh, last year was North Carolina, and this year was UCLA and Arkansas. I've had some clunkers picking Kansas one year. Ouch, that's your first mistake. I don't need to uh, ask which year. Any year yeah. was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless it was 12 years ago or so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is a fun part of my college football fandom. For 2021, any early ideas on who I should pick? Well, if you want to follow the College Football Bros podcast... I suggest you hop on the Ch- Chanticleers bandwagon, Coastal Carolina. Well, is, is it too late, late for that? Is it too late? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, they're going to be um, great again next year. They got all. They, they got all the pretty much you know like eighteen or nineteen starters coming back practically, maybe even more. So I mean, they're going to be stout again next year. Yeah, I thought of one that kind of fit his uh, description there. I think Georgia Tech. Um, they are. They've been really young the last couple years, but Jeff Collins been recruiting well, upgrading the talent. Uh, Obviously there's a big transition from, from that old offense to the new offense. And I think it might start showing up in terms of wins in, in 2021. Yeah, it needs to. I've been on his bandwagon, but they, they need to show something. But I, one of them he already mentioned, he might have been a year ahead on UCLA. If he, if he bought a shirt or something, maybe keep that shirt this year. They're, they won't be bad again this year. They return a ton of production and they, they lost four games this year, but they were all by six or less, a couple just heartbreakers. So, so there, I don't see any reason why Chip can't have his best team in Westwood this year. Yeah. If you look at, uh, Bill Connolly just came out with his, uh, um, returning production figures for, for 2021. And I want to say like eight of the top 15 were, were from the Pac 12, something like that. Lot. So 
obviously the Pac-12 has been down uh, over the last few years. But. I don't think he caught, quite got all of the data on that one since this year's kind of a weird year. Like he made, there was some, uh, there were some six year super seniors coming back that hadn't been factored in. Uh, like he was way off on like Nebraska, for example. No, he, he fixed that. He fixed oh, it. Oh, he fixed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah our, our own it. patron, Joel, uh, pointed yeah. it out in a tweet to, to Connolly yeah. that there were some mistakes and, and he fixed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. There, it's, but updated. there's probably a few out there well, with other schools too that he didn't. Then. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard year to, to do that. Yeah, I'm sure totally. it'll change a little there's, bit. I'm sure there's some kids that have still haven't made their decision yet, you know, like, yeah. I mean, so it's, you know, it's just, I want to say March 1st is the, the deadline for, for those kind of super seniors to decide something like that. Good point. I actually haven't heard the date exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, moving on to the next review from Jimmy D one, two, three. This one was, I mean, it was five stars, so we appreciate that, but maybe not a super positive take here. So he says Trojan homers. I enjoy listening to the show, but as a UCLA fan, your sycophantic USC opinions and picks drive me crazy. Anytime the brothers discuss other schools, it's excellent. Enjoy Clay forever and go Bruins. Wow. I mean, I, I you know, he's a UCLA fan. I get it. He's going to hate on USC, you know, totally get that. But mm-hmm. you're about as non-homer of a USC guy as there is. Um, Thank I mean, you, we cheer for him because, we, you know, you're a USC grad. We, you know, my, Trey and I have no other horse in the fight except for you, so we'll cheer for him. But we all realize – it's <laughs> they're not that great. Uh, yeah, I'm in agreement. Like we were five and zero, and I was like, eh, we're not yeah. really very good. No, we're, no. we're okay, <laughs> but we, yeah. you were actually cheering. Well, sort of, almost cheering for losses. You know, it was either really good wins but... or just lose. Yes, is what you yeah. were hoping for. You know, and it was not either. <laughs> no, it kind of, uh yeah, didn't. It was, it was. You could argue the the worst happened with kind of having a good record, but not really being that good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh well, I appreciate yeah. that he did. He still gave us a five star review, though. No, that's true. I, I, he, he just has to, you know, a UCLA fan. What's he gonna do? He can't give some super good love to a USC guy. Yeah. All right, our next one. Wade Cornelius gave us actually a one star review. Oh, the Cohen brothers know more about college football. Just awful. <laughs> 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 Did he have to add the just awful at the end? Oh, man. Yeah, it was just an extra little punch. I, I would like to know who his squad is. It must be, see, who would we, who would we have upset? You know? Uh, you know, I, I feel like th- he, this guy used to have a five star review for us because I remember I recognized that name and, and he changed maybe it. Florida State because Trey was high on him and then they just blew or, uh, I don't know. No idea, but. <laughs> I thought it was funny. We usually don't. We've only gotten a few one-star reviews, but yeah. and we normally don't share them. But that one was kind of funny. So ah, uh, we got to share them all. Okay, it's fun. All right. Um, we used to we used to be super offended, didn't we? Probably. Well, you definitely were. We're looking at that five-star review count every week. It's still it's still really exciting to get one. I always am checking. Yeah. But not living and dying with yeah, them. It like was embarrassing. To. Ryan Ryan got a little emotional with the one stars. It was kind of sad. True. Yeah, I've learned to live with it. Uh, all right, moving on to the next one here. Ohio State fan 101. Uh, look into Sevion Morrison at uh, Nebraska. He is unreal. And he's uh, referring to a 2020 running back recruit that Nebraska got that uh, did not see the field uh, at Nebraska this year. So that makes me question if he is unreal because we needed a running back. Uh, you know, we had Diedrich Mills. We kind of got hurt. And 
after that, it was like, eh, who can else run the ball? He was a good recruit. I hope he's, he's a, a he's a physical specimen and stuff. And hopefully this year he'll tear it up. But um, wish he saw the field last year. All right, last review from Matt Doherty says, if you like college football and want to know more about what's going on with other programs, this is the pod for you. If you dislike the hype of hot takes and quick predictions that never age well, this is the pod for you. Three regular guys who all know a ton about college football talking about college football. Matt Do- Matt Doherty, is this the uh, the college basketball coach? Man, he's he gets around. He's cheering for us now. That's great. Wait, isn't that Brad Doherty or no? Yeah, there is, there is him too, but there was oh, a Matt Doherty okay. coach like Notre Dame, North Carolina, SMU, uh, I think. Gotcha. Well, thank you, Matt. That was uh, a lot better review than Wade Cornelius. I appreciate yes. it. <laughs> Indeed. I did want to, you know, I, I did want to catch up on Law Student 505. There's one other blind team that I have faith in, or okay. blind faith in, and that's TCU. If he wants to go off the radar, I gave him UCLA. He already cheered for TCU. I have blind faith there. Okay. Uh, let's get to the winners from the 2021 recruiting cycle. Of course, we're recording this on, on Wednesday night of, of National Signing Day. Um, and I'll just go over quickly the top 10 classes. You could consider any of these winners. Uh, in order, it was Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Oregon, Texas A&M, USC, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Uh, anything jump out at you from, from those, le- those guys? I hate them all. Is that, you know? Okay. Well, <laughs> wow. Fine. Uh, jealous. I was, I'm super jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan at 10, that's pretty nice for them with, you know, it just seems like the momentum of the program has not been positive and Harbaugh's on the hot seat. So to get a top 10 class, pretty good. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like none of those are really surprise. I mean, Oregon, this is one of their best classes they've had, but mm-hmm. it's still, they're still. A, a big brand that it's just not so shocking, but that was a very good class for them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, from this list or, or anybody else, Ryan, who's, uh, who's one of your big winners, we're going to have nine total winners here. So three from each of us. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll start it with Ohio state. Um, this, the, the rich just get richer. As you mentioned, they are, uh, they finished number two, uh, in the nation behind just Alabama, of course. And, you know, it ties their best recruiting finish, you know, in the last 20 years. And I don't know, before that, it was like, who knows, before uh, the easy recruiting websites got going. So yeah, that, that, that era doesn't, anything before it doesn't 99 count. doesn't count. Yeah, I count 2000 like on pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even 2001. But yeah, so it's their best ever. They've never finished number one. So number two, you know, it's just elite. Um, their highest recruit, Jack Sawyer, he's kind of, he's a defensive end from since, or not from Cincinnati, he's from like North Pickerton, I believe it is, in Ohio. Seems just like another. He's like 6'5", 250, in the mold of a Bosa type, you know, Nick or Joey, pick, take your pick. So I would kind of be surprised if he doesn't uh, see the field right away on that defensive line. And with Ohio State, I mean, this year it seemed like maybe even more of an emphasis on national recruiting. I mean, they had guys from Washington, Colorado, Arizona, Georgia, Texas. So, I mean, it was, you know, normally they get a heavy influence from Ohio, which, of course, makes sense, and maybe some Pennsylvania. But this year was just all over. So, and they even got a punter. I was, I guess it's all over the globe, all over from a uh, punter from Australia. And who doesn't get, Where a to get them? from Australia these days? Those, yeah. What's going on with those? They have such a good program down there. Like, yeah, just a lot of those, what, uh, is it Australian rules football or rugby yeah. or whatever? Yeah. I mean, well, they, 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 they punt the ball the other way, just like the toilets. It, somehow they just do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> it spins <laughs> an opposite way. Well, yeah. there, but... <laughs> Just like the toilets. Yeah. Uh, they bring in a five-star QB, uh, Kyle McCord. He's from Philly, so uh, he'll kind of enter that QB battle and maybe bring some competition for uh, CJ Stroud. Uh, but, you know, they just, they're sick <laughs> in talent. Yeah. Ryan Day is taken right where Urban Meyer left off and even kind of one-upping him a little bit so far, at yeah. least. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this is kind of a boring start here because my first winner is Alabama. I promise we'll go further down the list, but I mean, Alabama usually being number one, that alone would not get them a, a winner because it's just like, duh, Alabama number one. That's no surprise, but it's the best class ever per 24-7 sports rankings, beating out Florida's class in 2010. Uh, so they had seven five-stars, I think 16 four-stars, 15 or 16. Uh, <laughs> they just cleaned up on both sides of the ball, especially in the tr- – I mean everywhere, but in the trenches they got the, the number two and number five player overall in the country, J.C. Latham and Tommy Brockmeyer, both offensive tackles. And then they got two five-star defensive linemen. So just insane. I mean, you don't, you don't even – you don't have to – answer this but i mean think about what the odds are for them to win another national title in the next three years like i don't want to answer that it's just crazy it's just that's a good question what are the odds what is the percentage chance in the next three years that alabama wins a national title it's hard to answer off the top of your head but i'll i'll put i'll set an over under and you guys can say whether it's over under next three years i'll go (laughs) i don't like having to do this 60 percent over. Over? I get. I might say over just because you think the realistically at this point, it's like there's only in the next couple of years, you would think only like four or five teams could actually win it. And mm-hmm. they're just, they're the cream of the crop. It's just, it's, I mean, it's Saban, just crazy. The fact that you Saban's, even have that, the fact that you, it's that much of a decision yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Saban's almost gone every other year. Yeah. Since he's been at Bama. You know, yeah, and this is the best class ever he's dealt with. I mean, come it's on. pretty wild, but yeah. what a, what a class they got. So I'm going to go a little more off the radar. Or were you done on Bama, Mike? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Okay. You want me to uh, list off all their four stars? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll be, be here all night. night. Yeah. yeah. Jinx. <laughs> I'm going to go, like I said, a little more off the radar. Staying in the SEC though, Missouri. They're not going to win the SEC soon, but there's at least some reason to be happy as a Mizzou fan. I mean, they're, they're taking advantage of South Carolina and Auburn coaching transitions, even a little bit of uh, Tennessee, but Eli Drinkwitz, kind of his first full class here, showing some recruiting ability. Uh, they're 27th overall. They're actually 21st on rivals. Um, but it's their best class by far in a while. Best class since joining the SEC. They're hovering around ninth or 10th in the conference, which again, it doesn't sound great, but they've been 12th, 13th, 14th every year since joining the SEC. So, um, and you know, it's not going to necessarily stick, but already going into next year, they have a top 15 recruiting class in the country. Obviously it's very premature, but, uh, he, one thing he did do very well was they locked down the state of Missouri, got about half of the top 10 in the state, also did well in nearby Illinois. Um, so they finished, you know, a surprising five and five. They're going to have some momentum going into next year as they they try and get to that middle tier of the SEC with recruiting classes like this. Yeah, and they've they've proven even when they first joined that they're they're capable of, of getting there. I mean, they made a what? Did they make two SEC title games, or was it just early one? on? But but yeah. then the recruiting caught up with them. But uh, no doubt. But they've been there. There's some hope. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with my second my second winner here, Oregon. 
Um, they're a clear winner over there on the West Coast. Uh, six best class according to 24-7 sports. Um, it's their best class ever. Um, and if you look at just the offensive side, oh my goodness, it was elite. Defense was good, no doubt, but the offense was just on a different level. Um, so Joel Moorhead's got to be feeling pretty good. Their top five recruits were two tackles, two wide receivers, and a quarterback. So just like, I mean, you know, their passing That's game. That's what you want. Yeah. Their passing game should be pretty darn good. And then, you know, toss in, um, they had other four stars on the offense, a tight end, two more offensive linemen, another receiver, two running backs. So <laughs> those, they're all four stars and better. So yeah, I think they're going to be pretty good on the offensive side of the ball here. Um, um, so, you know, and they just got to commit today actually from, uh, a kid from Omaha, actually a, a cornerback, uh, from a four star from Omaha. Nebraska and uh that one that one doesn't sting at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't want him anyway at Nebraska. Oh, of course not. We got enough no, we talent. Didn't want a four star from Omaha. Give me a break. He was All right, so, my Oregon next, clear winner. My next winner here is uh Pitt and they finished with the the number 5 class in the ACC um number 26 overall, which is a big jump for them. They've been in the the 40s and 50s the past few years under Pat Narduzzi, so Maybe this class and, and if they can keep that momentum forward into to next year too, can, they can start to try and get over that kind of eight win ceiling that, that Narduzzi's had. Like he's done fine. I think everyone would agree, but the fans of course want a little bit more and, uh, maybe this class will help that out. So their top four recruits, unsurprisingly, all defensive linemen, including their top recruit, Elliot Donald, who is the mm. nephew of Aaron Donald. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. They're going to have a good defense, you know, as they always are not always, but as they have the last few years. Right. That's, I like it. Uh, I'm going to, in my theme, I'm going to stick with the SEC. Ole Miss, uh, the main recruit that they got was Lane Kiffin have, having him stay essentially after he kind of flirted with some other gigs in the offseason, maybe. Not so seriously, but they got the 18th ranked class. He got, he had recruiting hashtags going this year with, you know, come to the sip. Uh, recently, Mary Flipmas when they, they flipped <laughs> athlete MJ Daniels from their rival Mississippi State. Uh, and what another thing that was kind of crazy is their best commit was a four star quarterback from Starkville of all places. Ooh. So winning and recruiting over Leach already is important. Obviously, you want to lock down that state. Um, Four-star corner Markevious Brown picked Ole Miss over Auburn and Miami. So there's some uh, some young, good talent coming. Good time to be a Rebel fan. Yeah, no surprise there. We all knew uh, Ole Miss would, would bring in some talent with Lane. Yeah, I think um, it's only going to get better, too. Like, if you had to yeah. ask me the over-under on next year's class, I would I would predict it'll be better than, than what did they finish, 18th, you said, this year? Uh, I think that's where it stands now, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I assume they do better than that next year as well. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, my last one here. I got Wisconsin. Um, they were they cleaned up this year for them. The fifteenth rated class. Uh, that's the best class they've had. I didn't even honestly do research on that one. I just said, like, yep. That's- I, I think like by far. I know. I didn't even yeah. like go through all the twenty four seven years. I was like. I've never seen them even close to that. They need to have a page, by the way, on twenty four seven where you can look at yes. all the years. Yeah, I don't give you like I look for that. And I was like, why can't I see this? I have to like literally click back and every what single I, year. It's such a hassle. And it opens up a new tab every time. I know. It's a hassle. But so I was like, I'm not doing that. I just know this is the best they've had. <laughs> yeah. So. I think I heard somewhere else their highest class ever was like, 
I don't know, 27th or something. Yeah, this, yeah, I was like, I know what this one is. So, uh, for Ohio State, I actually look back. Do they get a number one? But no, not this one. Um, yeah, they got three highly rated offensive linemen. One was a five star, you know, no surprise. Uh, well, no surprise that they're offensive linemen, but the five star for Wisconsin is a surprise. Um, so they're going to continue to dominate up front. Um, they also got a good pass rushing specialist uh, on the defensive side, four star linebacker TJ Ballers. He's from Iowa, like 6'3", 250. Just seems like a perfect fit, you know, for those Badger 3-4 defensive, defensive front. They're just going to – I'm sure he'll get after the quarterback real well. Um, they also had a lot of, like, really highly rated three-star guys, guys that were very, very close to being four-stars. So they only had, like, I think one five-star and maybe four or five four-stars. So it wasn't, like, a, an insane amount. But their three-stars were right on that next level. And, and, and as well as Ohio State, they went all over. They had Florida – Kids from Florida, kids from New Jersey, California. So, um, they were, they were recruited nationally. And, you know, before I move on here, I do want to mention Iowa, uh, as well, because this was, I think, the best class they've had as well ever. They finished 23rd and, you know, they're usually in the, the mid 30s to 40 type of range. Um, it was kind of the similar formula. Their offensive line class was great. They had three, three, four star offensive linemen, good D line class. So they're building from the trenches out as you would expect. Um, you know, they're just, so Wisconsin and Iowa, they just seem to be kind of getting a firmer grip on their programs in the Big Ten West right now. And, uh, you know, even though like a team like Nebraska, they finished like 20th this year, it just doesn't even feel like that's on par with like Iowa 23rd. You know, it's like Iowa getting 23rd yeah. seems more impressive than, yeah. than Nebraska's always been that. They've always been 15 to 25 and they just don't ever do anything with it. So Iowa getting 23rd, Wisconsin 15. That makes you think they're going to elevate even further above. Yep. Agreed. Unfortunately for us. Um, uh, my last winner here is from the G5, San Diego State. They pulled in the, the number one class in the Mountain West, so they beat out Boise State. I wonder if uh, Brian Harson leaving had maybe a little bit to do with that. But uh, 62nd overall, they got a four-star offensive guard, Josh Simmons, local kid here in, here in San Diego. And uh, they had finished in the 90s in terms of rankings the previous couple of years. So Brady Hoke, first full class, very good. He also brought in a couple transfers, former four stars from Mississippi State. So he's upgrading the talent there. And hopefully we'll be able to continue Rocky Long's kind of, you know, 9-10 win season every year. I think they might. They're, they're building a, a new stadium. They're building a new stadium right now. So that's promising for these uh, young recruits. I mean, and there's a lot of, there's a decent amount of talent that comes out of San Diego. So if they can start yep. to, you know, keep some of those guys and no doubt, I, I don't want to say sleeping giant, but San Diego, sta- well, I shouldn't say they're not sleeping. They're winning 10 games every yeah, year. Yeah, much, but even more relevant. They, just, they seem to be underrated nationally. Yeah. Like they're not that relevant. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm going to stay out West then and, and I'm going to go with Cal. They, uh, they have the 28th ranked class, which is actually good for third in the Pac-12. You know, you just, you wouldn't think of them being ahead of Washington, Stanford, UCLA, Arizona State in the Pac-12, but they did it. I mean, I will say Washington has a much better average player ranking. Yeah, small class. They had a small class, but that, you know, minor details. Either way, it's a big accomplishment for the Bears, especially since the on-field product Hasn't been all that great in recent years. Wilcox seems to have the Bears trending up. They've been in the bottom third of the Pac-12 recruiting the last five-plus years, and this is their best class since 2011. So it'll be interesting to see if they they start to climb the standings in the in the conference. 
Yeah, like Cal can recruit really well. Like Tedford, when he had it going there, he would pull in like top 15, top 20 yeah, type classes. Yeah. Even um, um, Sonny Dykes had like classes in the low 30s. And when Wilcox yeah. took over, the the recruiting was was not good. And I was like, I thought no. that's what he was going to do. But now he's looking like he's starting to do it. Yeah, it seemed like the program took a hit, uh, you know, as far as the perception uh, after Sonny Dykes. But Wilcox is uh, kind of building that back up a little bit, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Is that it? Is that all the winners we have? It was, you know, the, it's not FBS, but Jackson State, Dion's oh, boys, they yeah. got a top, they got like the 85th ranked class and they're not D, they're not FBS. Pretty wild. They got three, it's four insane. stars, I think. They got some good transfers too. Like if they can, if they can coach them up even a little bit, they're going to be really good. I think people, I mean, people expecting them to be really good this year are uh, probably in for, you know, Rudeway, yeah, give those guys some time, <laughs> but it's impressive what they did in year one as far as recruiting. Um, I'm trying to look at my list here. Uh, oh, well, we got to bring up Rutgers. They had a good class for sure. Definitely Im- improved from what they were doing, uh, at the end of the Chris Ash era. So Greg Schiano had a, had a good first class, but we got to bring it up because <laughs> they, they, they finished 41st, uh, on 24 seven sports composite, at least as we're recording this. And Trey, why don't you bring up the the story here? So, so it, within our Discord, uh, all the patrons kind of discuss. And and back in May, so almost a year ago, we were talking about recruiting rankings on uh, in our group chat. And one of our patrons, that's a big Rutgers fan, Rutgers Todd, he said that Rutgers would finish with the forty first ranked class. <laughs> and and I I responded. I said, okay. Ha- old takes exposed and I screenshotted it. And sure enough, I'm looking at it today and the son of a gun, it was 41st. <laughs> that is insane. That is a good call. Uh, oh man. Um, that's Rob's amazing. Rutgers Todd, man. Yeah. Very good. So Thank there's you, another winner, Rutgers Todd. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, I have, uh, one more winner actually and it is myfrontpagestory.com. Yes. Oh yeah. So Valentine's Day is, of course, coming up here. Uh, we got 10 days till Valentine's Day. So if you're still looking for, for a gift for your significant other, maybe you want to get a gift for, for a parent or a grandparent who's cooped up, uh, during, during the pandemic here, this is a great option. So the way it works is you talk to a professional writer on the phone for 10 to 15 minutes about your loved one and they write a really great story about them. They, they put it on, on what looks like the, the front of a newspaper. They can, you can buy it framed so that, you know, your, your loved one can, can hang it up right when they get it. Just a, a, you know, a much more, a much better gift than, than flowers or a box of chocolates or any of the, the usual stuff. It's something they'll keep forever, something they'll remember. So, uh, and the, the reviews talk about how emotional it is for, for people receiving these gifts, just seeing your words in print, seeing, you know, the writer's words in print. So, uh, highly recommend it. And you can go to myfrontpagestory.com, use the promo code bros15 for 15% off your story. Again, that's myfrontpagestory.com, promo code bros15. You're welcome. We, we just solved Valentine's Day for you. You're stressing about what gift to get. Now you got it. There it is, man. It really is. It's a great gift. Mm-hmm. You got, All you right. got one coming, Michael. Ooh, <laughs> thanks, Ryan. <laughs> little winky face appreciate it uh let's get to the losers of the 2021 recruiting cycle 
Uh, who's the first loser, Ryan? I hate asking you who a loser is because you're going to say me or Trey, but yeah. Well, <laughs> it's hard to decide who's the biggest loser here, but yeah. I'm just going to go with South Carolina. Uh, definitely a loser there. Uh, 77th rated class. We know it's a transition. We know it's a new coaching staff, but that's even bad by those standards. Um, it is small class. So I'll give them that. Um, and normally you can kind of forgive that ranking a little bit, but you know, they only finished ahead of Vanderbilt as far as like average ranking per recruit. So mm-hmm. even though it was small, it was still not a highly, you know, average star class. They didn't get a single four star. Um, and none of their three stars were even highly rated three stars. So, you know, it was small. It was average recruit. It was low. You know, it's not a shock because, you know, Shane Beamer just got there and, um, maybe Shane Beamer doesn't quite, wasn't quite the home run higher that maybe a lot of people would, uh, would want to accrue recruits might graduate, gravitate to. Um, he might need to put a little product on the field first, but, uh, yeah, just dis- definitely disappointing class for South Carolina, not setting up Beamer for a whole lot of success. And, and we were talking about before the, before we hit record on this podcast, just like the, the variance in terms of class sizes this year. Of course, this is a unique year in recruiting with, yeah. um, I don't know if you realize there's a pandemic going on. <laughs> uh, but so coaches weren't able to go see players. Um, and you know, some, some states didn't even play, uh, high school football this, this past fall. So yeah. it was definitely weird. Um, but Ryan, what were you talking about as far as how that affects well, yeah, this I mean, class? For sure. I, I just felt like they're kind of, um, the, the, the rule about, you know, seniors coming back for another year. Okay. That's great. We all agree. It's the right call, but you know, as every single class can have, have that ability. It's not just seniors. It could be freshmen, people that were freshmen this year, sophomore, juniors. So, you know, yeah, this, every, this year did not count in terms of eligibility for anybody. Yeah. This year didn't count in as eligibility for anybody. And so, but the NCA only makes it for this one next year where the scholarship limit is, re, is lifted. So they can have, you know, any school can have higher scholarships this given out this year. But after that, after one year, it's gone. So they're kind of, you know, almost, I don't want to say screwing, but I do want to say screwing. Sure. Uh, high school kids, they're not getting as many opportunities because all these kids are going to have, you know, that are in college right now, maybe coming back. So there's just not going to be as many scholarships to give. I feel they should have done the scholarship, um, you know, bump for four years. As far as the, all these kids that are in college now, they need to keep the scholarship limit that high until all those kids graduate. My opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's definitely gonna gonna cause some some issues next it's year. A down effect. No doubt yeah. about it. You just can't take as many. You can't take twenty five every year with when all these players that are currently on your roster are having an extra year of eligibility. So it's it's going to be hard to manage. And it seems like one of the ways teams are managing that is in general a little bit smaller classes this year. And, and also actually, I don't know if this is relate, directly related to that, but, but there also teams were taking a lot more transfers. Um, that has to do with the transfer portal and just the fact that, uh, maybe teams aren't as trusting of, of they're not wanting to take high school players who they haven't got to seen as much. Maybe they're, they're trusting taking transfers more so. Yeah. It's, uh, it is, a uh, a double whammy on the high school kids. Not only were they not able to play and put film out there, but they're also, looking at smaller uh, scholarship availability. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Okay, but anyway, that that kind of we'll we'll get to for some of our answers here. It it's hard to say whether it was by choice that they took, you know, so few high schoolers, but we'll we'll get to that as well, I guess it's my turn right now. So, I will go. Yeah, you get to it. Yeah, I'll get to it. Uh it's Colorado finishing 65th. 
uh, in recruiting. And last year they finished 35th in Mel Tucker's, uh, first year. So quite, quite a drop there. I know Carl Durrell got, got, uh, hired in late February. So he was likely behind the eight ball in, in starting this class. Of course, with the pandemic hitting right after that, he I'm sure didn't get to meet a lot of recruits in person, but still like only getting one top 600 player is, is not great for Colorado. No, that, uh, that's not. I'm going to go to Penn State. They actually did okay today. They, they closed the gap low, but they're still, they were the 21st ranked class and that was sixth in the Big Ten. So the gap between them and Ohio State in the East Division is growing. Um, heck, they were even behind Maryland in the, in the East. Ouch. Uh, the Terps kind of ate into their, their DMV, uh, recruiting a, a bit up there, but, um, but it's the worst class since 2014, and that was when they were kind of coming out of the Sandusky uh, issues with Bill O'Brien. Uh, and what was surprising is they didn't do all that great in the state of Pennsylvania compared to years past. They only got two of the top 15 players there. Pitt got three guys. Um, they only got two three of or the top four. 15? Yeah, the Penn, Penn State only got two of the top 15, something like that. Yeah. Wow, that's and, bad. Um. Yeah, I mean they they also recruit Maryland. They got some Maryland guys, but just oh, not. Know, but they didn't hit Pennsylvania surprising. as hard as they used to, and and it was the worst year on the field, of course, uh, under Franklin, and now a poor class by their standards. So I will say, going into twenty two, they're actually killing it. They have like the third ranked class, but again, it's it's very early. So they're going to need to show some success on the field to get back in that upper echelon. They're also going to take a lot of transfers too, so they, yeah, they bet, better hit on those. All right here. Moving on to my second one here. My second loser is Stanford. Uh, we'll kind of go back out to the West here. Uh, 51st rated class. It's their lowest. It's 2012. Um, pretty sure that was 2012. Um, and they, that, that year they only took 12 kids. Um, so, you know, their, their average ranking was, uh, pretty good that year, actually. <laughs> this year, not, not so much. They only had one four star. Uh, it was the eighth rated class in the conference. You know, David Shaw has just kind of seemed to have lost whatever mojo he was given by uh, Jim Harbaugh. They aren't very good on the field. They were very fortunate to get to, well, I think it was four wins this year. Yep. Um, they had a lot of close wins, um, kind of the opposite of UCLA. They were UCLA and them were seemed like very, very even teams, but one goes two and four, one goes four and two. That's the way the ball bounces. But, uh, yeah, just not recruiting well. I just think it's only a matter of time now for – for David Shaw, unless unless he can pick up the recruiting again, maybe next year, but time is running running out on him. All right, that's a a harsh take on David Shaw, but yeah, it doesn't oh, seem he's to be a loser. Going the right what direction. am I gonna say? I'm not gonna paint a pretty picture. Yeah, no, it's it's slipping. Yep. Uh, okay, my next loser is Virginia Tech. Now, there's here's Whoa. one that his days might be numbered, Justin Fuente. So mm-hmm. they finished 45th overall, 10th in the ACC. And that's despite having the biggest class in the ACC. They took 27 players. That's, it's gotta be one of the biggest classes in the country. Um, yeah. And well, when they you had combine a heavy that senior class this year. Yeah. And when you, uh, combine that with last year's class, which ranked 76th, their roster is just going to get worse and worse in the upcoming years. And I just never would have predicted this given the way it started for Fuente at Virginia Tech. Like, people forget that at the end of the Beamer era, they had kind of, they were kind of mediocre. There were a lot of seven and six seasons. And Fuente came in, immediately jump-started them on the field, 10-win season, 9-win season. Recruiting kept up. It was top 25 type classes. 
But the last couple of years, it's just on the field. It's been not great and players have been transferring. Recruiting is, is fallen off. So I would be surprised if he's still there, uh, in a couple of years. Yeah. Well, you're getting on me about Stanford. Wow, Mike. It is a harsh take on Fuente. And I, <laughs> I think Fuente is a good coach. Like I think it just, this match just is not working. Yeah. Like I think if he yeah. gets fired or he leaves elsewhere, I would want to hire him uh, at a lot of schools, but, uh, yeah, the it's circumstances just, kind of, just didn't line up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Auburn. They're sitting at 30th, which is 11th in the SEC. So obviously it's going to be a, a down year when you fire your coach, but, but looking at the SEC, like Tennessee was actually able to weather the storm decently. Um, Auburn did not. Right before Malzahn was fired, they were in the driver's seat to land five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis, four-star Deanne George Wilson, another four-star linebacker Trevon Wallace, and a couple other high three-stars. The Tigers ended up signing none of those guys. Uh, and this is a program where even with multiple coaches and in prior transitions, they consistently hover around the top ten. And this is their worst class since 2004. Ouch. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. Very rough. Yeah, you can't well, afford it. That's why anytime you change coaches, not that that they were killing it on the recruiting trail before the change, but uh anytime you change coaches, it you kind of start behind the eight ball in terms yeah. of talent. Yeah, that's another reason why it's hard to be a new coach, just because you're already behind the eight ball of, of guys that are already successful, right? So it's just it yeah. makes it even tougher. Um speaking of that a little bit here, we'll go to uh my my second well sorry, my third loser, which is uh Texas. Um, you know, as far as overall, they finished 17th, which isn't, you know, bad or anything. It's still well good enough to keep them in, in line for, for Big 12, uh, honors there and Big 12 title. Um, but it's the worst class they've had since Tom Herman's transition class. Um, they were couldn't, you know, Tom Herman was leading them to three top three, top four type classes for a few years there. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, I guess, when we were kind of talking about this before the pod, like it's kind of hard to pick some losers this year because of the class size. Michael, Michael was really making out this point. There's not a bunch of clear losers and Texas isn't necessarily a clear loser. I just kind of had to pick them, you know, but for Texas to finish 17th with all the advantages, with all the kids they have in Texas, with Herman getting those top five classes in the past, dropping to 17th is a loss. Um, they do have some good recruits coming in. There's no doubt about it. They could be great. Sarkeesian's a good coach. But 17th is just not what you want to see if you're a Longhorn. How about over-under for Sarkeesian's first class next year? What yeah, are you setting that at? Okay, I'll set it at, uh, since, you know, I'm detailed, I'll set it at uh, 7. I think he'll do better. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah, yeah that's, awesome, yeah. 7's probably a good number. I'll, yeah, yeah. Six and a half, maybe the, yeah, so I'll, yeah. that's a good number. Thank you. All right. Um, my last loser is Oregon State. And again, <laughs> it's a class size thing. Like they, they signed 10 players. Uh, and? so the class is ranked 108th in the country. Uh, I know they have a ton of returning production coming back. So they didn't have uh, a lot of scholarships available, but you would think with a, a smaller class, you're, you're only kind of taking your top 10 guys so that the, the average star rating would be, you know, significant jump than in previous years, but that wasn't the case. It was, it was basically the same. Um, so not great. I mean, I don't think you panic if you're an Oregon State fan and they've taken transfers over the last few years. And, um, I, I still, I still like the direction Jonathan, Jonathan Smith has them going in, but a little disappointing for sure. There's definitely a, a ceiling 
Mm-hmm. Uh, staying in the Pac-12, Arizona State. They're 48th overall and 7th in the conference. Uh, again, with sticking with our theme, they had to take a, a smaller class and they, yeah. they got some transfers. But that being said, uh, it was their worst class since 2011. Um, and this is, you know, we'll see. I don't know how much of this had to do with the smaller class or whatnot, but this is kind of one of the worries we had with Herm Edwards. Uh, he overachieved a little early on, uh, in that first year with Jaden Daniels. Uh, but you know, there, there seemed at that point to be some strong momentum for ASU, um, to become, you know, that next contender in the South. And especially after last year, they had the 23rd ranked class, but this year, semi, semi laid an egg. We'll, we'll see how it pans out, but, and they still can, of course, but this recruiting class in 2021 doesn't necessarily indicate that they could sustain it long run. Yeah. I, I still think. I still like the direction Herm Edwards has them going in. Like they, they return a ton next year. Yep. They, they could very easily win the Pac-12 South, but yeah, I'm not, this is not doom and gloom for ASU, but it was just kind of, it, it was noticeable. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I, I just wanted to bring up one other team that I can't really call them a winner or a loser. It just kind of, we'll see, but it's Western Kentucky. They had a class of four high schoolers. <laughs> four oh my and they gosh. but they opted they took 12 transfers so far at least so they are going all in on the the transfer transfer route so we'll see how it works out but it's uh it's gutsy for uh tyson helton uh okay wow that's crazy um i'll mention one other team that we we talk about a lot here iowa state uh they were 59th they didn't get a four star night 18 kids it wasn't the smallest class ever but uh Thought maybe they could capitalize a little bit better, uh, on, mm-hmm. on their success on the field. Maybe they could have snuck up into the top 40, maybe at least. Uh, uh, but you know, just, uh, kind of thought I'd point that out. Like, Hey, why couldn't Iowa State jump up a little bit? Mike Campbell, come on now. Yeah, I do a little better in recruiting. <laughs> he doesn't got to do anything. He's well, <laughs> but he's done pretty darn well, but it would be nice, but they're going to be man. a top 10 team next year. So <laughs> fair enough. But I, I see your point. I see your point. And, and that's kind of like when you're talking, like Matt Campbell, obviously we all, would all agree as a, you know, just put him where you want, but easily a top 10 coach in, in the country. Um, and, yeah. but the, when you're projecting to the next job, you know, that's something that you, you would like to be more sure of. Like if I'm Ohio yeah. State and I was looking at him as a potential guy, I would like to be more sure that if he comes here, he's going to do what Ryan Day's doing and get, you know, the number two class overall. I'm, maybe he would, but I know Iowa right. State's a hard place to recruit to, but something to think about. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, before we, we let you go here, we, it's Super Bowl weekend coming oh, up. Wow. So we got the, the Chiefs Buccaneers, sort of a, a home game for the Bucks. What do you guys think? What's, what's your pick? Go for it, Trey. I mean, it's, it's hard to go against the Chiefs. They just they're defending champs. Mahomes is a freak, especially after they just destroyed Buffalo. But the points are like three, three and a half right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take take it. Brady and the Bucks. They they went into Lambeau and got an impressive win. That that sealed the deal for me. So I'm gonna take the points. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree. Um, you know, I, I in the game, I'm gonna be rooting for Kansas City. Um, you know, Tom Brady's won enough. Uh, I got nothing against Brady. I just Share the, I mean, it, I wish somebody was there that I could genuinely cheer for. Kansas City won it last year. Brady's won it forever. I was hoping Buffalo would get in or maybe Green Bay. I don't know. Somebody, but, uh, 
yeah, with Brady getting three, three and a half points, I, I can't go against that. I just, you know, there's just no way. All right. Well, if it's, I haven't even looked at the spread lately, but if I can get minus three, I'm, I'm going with, with Mahomes. I'm going with the Chiefs. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I love Mahomes. <laughs> he's yeah. just, a, he's a freak. So he's, he is. And get Andy Reid his, his double cheeseburger if they win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did see that. Are the Chiefs without both starting tackles in the game, or? Well, Eric Fisher's for sure out. Uh, yeah. he, Achilles injury, and then their center is under COVID protocol, but we don't know if he's going to be. He was contact. He didn't actually get it. There was contact tracing, so. Gotcha. There's potential that they could have two alignment out. Ah, uh, and maybe, the Bucks have a really a good pass rush, so that's that not a great recipe. Yeah. All right, well, there's our, our NFL analysis. Yeah, we're not NFL pros here. No. Uh, but anyway, thanks for thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.